Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. We're continuing in the series of the open heart, and I'm going to speak to that in a moment. We're actually going to talk about the subject is going to be the, the conquering heart. But more of that in a minute. Something new. There's changes in New Spring, and um, I'm going to talk to you now a little bit about um, changes in our prayer ministry, a very a vital, a vital ministry uh, in New Spring as we move into a new season, as we take more ground, as we think about Armadale, as we do street chaplaincy, as we, yeah, as we bring heaven to earth as Jesus tells us to do. But it's always a mystery to me, the heart is a mystery. But it's a mystery to me how God chooses to anoint ordinary everyday people and use them for his kingdom work to do the conquering stuff. Um, Some of them get large public profiles, but many, many don't. The world has just farewelled uh, Billy Graham. Most people in the Western world would have heard the name Billy Graham. But there would be very few would have ever heard... um, the name of Pearl Good. I know there's a few. We, we, we spoke, we talked about it at the prayer meeting at the prayer ministry this morning. We prayed. And I'm going, to do, I'm going to read a little bit about the story of Pearl Good from Pasadena in California. Two weeks before Billy Graham was scheduled to conduct a crusade in the city, the little known unofficial member of the Graham team a spry great-grandmother of 78, checked into a hotel in the city and she devoted herself to pray. Pearl preceded the Graham team from city to city and somehow her financial needs were always met. She had travelled thousands of miles, mostly by bus, to to hundreds of crusades. She rented an inexpensive hotel room, rose at 5am to pray and often continued praying into the night. Before meetings, she went to an empty auditorium and prayed over the pulpit, the empty chairs and the people who would be seated in them. These were her words. I pray God will so fill Billy, anoint his lips, let it flow out of him that he won't know what he's saying, but it will be the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Billy Graham didn't actually know about her till seven years into his ministry. He said that the important thing is, and this is key, he said that he knew when she was in a city and he knew when she was not. That is important. Prayer, the author goes on to say, is perhaps the most important ministry of believers. When a believer learns that, they, that what are her or his rights and responsibilities in Christ, they can conquer anything through the power of prayer. Now, Elaine and I, my beautiful wife, sitting in the front row here, um, have only just begun our ministry as, in the, as part of the pastoral team, as discipleship pastors in the church, but this will be one of the main ministries that we will be will be taking leadership over. We sense 
the freedom that is in this place, the freedom that has been fought for. And we also sense this hunger, that there is this hunger to, to, to go forward, this hunger for God, to see the kingdom of God in Armadale. Yeah, I have this picture, this, just a picture of, of this bold spirit in this church, a bold heart in this church, a heart for God, a heart for the kingdom, a heart for, for people. And we want to be part of that. And that's what we're, that's what we're here for. And that's, yeah, that's, we, we hope to be able to exercise the roles and the gifts uh, and, and the leadership that, that God has anointed us in. So, prayer ministry. It begin, begins 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. There will be time devoted specifically to frontline prayer. Now, what we mean by frontline prayer is when we pray, we engage a battle. We take on the enemy. It does make us vulnerable, yes, but that's, that's our call. That's our place. We can't do without that. We pray for the speaker. We pray for the worship band. We pray for the support ministries behind the scene. Everything that makes Sunday happen. And then we pray for people. We pray for you. We pray for people in the city of Armadale who are not yet in the kingdom. And we pray for you, his church, his people, who God uses for that purpose. So at 8 a.m., we will be meeting every uh, Sunday before the service and to do frontline prayer. Pastoral care and the maintenance type of prayers that we, we do in home group and in connect groups, um, we will keep it for there. This is specifically for the frontline engagement prayer. Now saying that, pastoral care needs, we will also be creating a space as we will after the service. We're creating a space in the front rows here in the church for people to come forward who feel prompted, who have been uh, convicted, who need, um, who just need somebody to sit beside them and talk to Jesus with them, to lead them to Jesus. So we're creating that space here. And there will be people available here to pray, to sit and to talk, to speak, to counsel with you. So that will be a routine. It may not be announced every Sunday, but that will be a given. These front rows will be available for people to come forward. And if we need somewhere else, if we need somewhere more private, yes, we'll, we'll have that. We'll, we'll get that sorted out as well. So we're going to open that space for you, that safe place for you to be able to come forward this morning. Um, it is your right, but it's also your responsibility. It's your right to come to God, to access God. But faith makes it your responsibility. It's your responsibility as well. It's your right and your responsibility. So, how does that sound, folks? Throat gets dry. Mind you, it hasn't been as dry. It's a lot drier than what it was. I've spent three weeks in... Um, in sub-zero temperatures in Northern Ireland. I flew back to see my, my folks. My dad wasn't too good. 
but um, coming back here, it's a lot drier here than what it was over there, I tell you. We had a weather front that came and dumped tons of snow, inches, meters, feet of snow everywhere. I got stuck there, actually. I got stuck in, um, I couldn't fly out of Dublin Airport, which is why I should have been here last week, earlier in the week, but um, last week, but um, I couldn't get. But it's good to be here, and it's good to be, um, um, I'm going to bring you a message now. Um, and before I do that, I'm just going to submit that to, to, to God, to the Holy Spirit. Father, you own this place, you own these people, you own this city, you own me, and your word is mighty, it's powerful to the pulling down of strongholds, Lord. Um, I just pray that, that this word would flow through me, and Lord, that your precious people here sitting in this church this morning and those connected with them at home, Lord, would that this that your Holy Spirit would come. This is a sanctuary. This is an embassy. This is a place where we come and get a glimpse off and um, off heaven. Lord, fill this place now. Fill my, fill these words. Fill this message um, for these people, your people. Okay. The conquering heart. As I said, we've been looking at the subject of the heart. Um, and I'm going to refer to a couple of um, Bible passages that refer to, to, the, to the heart. But um, we're talking about a conquering heart. A conquering heart. And there is a passage in the end of Romans which speaks strongly to this. It says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to stand, to be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors more than conquerors. But what stops us conquering? What is it sometimes that prevents us from being a conqueror? Before I go into that, I'm going to, let, let's explain, let's look at what the word conqueror means. I've got a biblical de definition, or uh, a dictionary definition of it here. To conquer uh, means to overcome, to take control, a place or people by military force, to successfully overcome a problem or a weakness, or to climb a mountain. You see, what is it that stops us from conquering? Well, we go to the first, the very first verse of um, of Romans chapter 8. We've just read the end verses. This is the start of the, this is the start, the very first verse. From here we get this solid basis from which to ground ourselves, our identity, our right as believers to be conquerors for the kingdom. It's this. And this is the verse that I believe the Holy Spirit led in my heart to bring. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation to you 
if you belong to Jesus Christ. And I think this is one of the main problems that the enemy comes and he steals. He, he robs, he destroys. He, he robs our minds of the freedom and the peace. He wants to, he wants to uh, cage us. We were just praying this morning, you know, upstairs. And um, the picture, Lou was just praying and he talked about the picture he had of a, uh, of a, a caged bird with the door open. The caged door was lying open. But the bird was still in the cage. The bird was still in the cage. It was free to go. It could have flown out any time. But what is it that keeps it in that place that prevents it from flying and being free? Condemnation. But there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What is condemnation? Well, if a house is condemned, if a building's condemned, it's no longer fit to live in. What do we do with it? It's boarded up, it's ring-fenced, or it's, it's just bulldozed, it's leveled to the ground. And so many of us sometimes believe that we're useful, we're useless for nothing. We've missed our opportunity, we've missed the point in life. But that's not the case. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are entitled to own, to have, and to live from a conquering heart as much as anybody. Even though we fail and do stuff, and don't do stuff we should, there is no condemnation over our lives. That's, that's, that's not even mentioned. There is provision. Jesus says that if we confess our sins, if we fail, and we will fail, I fail, we all fail time to time, and we will in the future. If we feel the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. The thing is, it's your right, but it's also your responsibility to know that and to live from that. To own that. I'll just share a little bit about me. I guess you probably don't know a lot about me, but at the age of 18, I came to faith. I had, um, I was 18, I had no cares, no worries. Life was fairly good until I met these Christians. These darn Christians came in and started to tell me these things that were true. Started to mess with my head, you know, and fog it up. And, um, and I actually got to the point, well, I knew this stuff was true. I actually got to the point where, um, I just had, I got down on my knees one night and said, Lord, if this is true, then, then please make this come into my life, change my life and make me a new, a new person. I believe this. You've said this. These people have said this. Another part of that whole equation that brought me to that place was my mother had gone to a friend and asked her to pray the importance of prayer. My mother had gone and asked a friend. She was concerned about me and uh, my, my motorbike and me on that motorbike that um, she asked uh, my, this lady, would she pray for me? And this woman did. So I came to this point where I, 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 accepted, I accepted, I prayed a prayer 
but felt nothing. Wisely, the guy that I had been praying with said to me, um, tomorrow, you've got to go and tell somebody about it. I didn't want to go and tell my mates, so I jumped on the motorbike and went to tell my mom. The short journey home, I had to stop. There was a short ferry crossing. I stopped and uh, pulled a gospel tract out of, out of my pocket because it was one of those people who would have taken a gospel tract rather than offend the people who give it to me. Pulled it out of my pocket and there it said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you, and you shall be saved in your house. So I reckon that in, in that process, in that whole um, experience with God, I opened my life to him. I accepted him into my life. I prayed the prayer, felt nothing. But it wasn't actually until I stepped out in faith and actually went to tell somebody, went to tell my mother that I was now a Christian. There was something in the right and there was something in that responsibility upon me to enact, to action out what was true. Okay. Moving forwards, onwards and upwards, we're going to look at a, at a, a story from the book of the Old Testament Kings, which kind of plays this out. I've given you, we've got, um, I love stories. Most of us love stories. We, watch, we get stories in the movies. We get stories in, on, on TV. We get um, serials on TV. But the main story in this, guy, this uh, story is a guy called Elisha or Elisha. Where I come from, we brought up, we called him Elisha. But anyway, he's a prophet of God. He, he, he's lived in the, about the 8th century before Jesus was born. So Elisha's the main servant. But the other character in this, um, the important character in this story is his servant, but he doesn't have a name. And the, the, the thing about this story is, the, thing that, the good thing about this story, it's one of those um, stories where we get a glimpse actually behind the curtains into the supernatural. We see what's actually going on behind the scenes. The curtains are pulled back, back briefly and we get this glimpse and the story goes like this. I'm not going to actually read, the, read it all out, but I'll, I'll kind of summarize it for you here. The enemy of Israel, the king of Assyria, he wanted Elisha the prophet gone. See, Elisha, was, um, Elisha had the supernatural ability to be able to foretell what was, um, what was going to happen, what the, what the enemy was doing. So he was compromising the, this, the enemy king's military campaign. Um, and um, yeah, the king, the king got... The, the enemy king got to know about it, and um, yeah, all his plans were thwarted. So he mobilized his troops. The enemy king mobilized his troops and ordered them go, to go and catch Elisha, to go and capture him and bring him to him. So one night, the enemy surrounds the place where they're living. Now this, this is from the, the, the second, if anybody wants to read after, it's from 2 Kings chapter 6. So the next morning... Uh, the servant of Elisha is the first to waken. He goes outside. And when he looks up, all around the hills are surrounded by the enemy. 
Understandably, he's afraid. So he goes and he gets, he gets his master, Elisha. And he says, oh my Lord, what shall we do? What shall we do? Or words to that effect. So Elisha, Elisha comes out. He sees the enemy. And promptly responds with these words. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I'm going to paraphrase this a bit. The, the servant's response. I kind of think well, what I would have said if I was in those circumstances. Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. But he doesn't, he doesn't see this. He, he doesn't see that. He doesn't see what Elisha has seen. He says, that's all right, you saying that, but there's only two of us and look at, look at all them, master. There's only two of us, yeah, and we're surrounded. So what does Elisha do? He prays. And interestingly, his prayer doesn't make them all disappear or drop dead on the spot. What his prayer does is open the eyes of the servant. Open the eyes of the servant, and the servant gets to see what Elisha has seen. The chariots of fire, the hills filled with the, the multitudes of the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, what struck me with that was, well, God actually could have just, Elisha could have prayed. I mean, it was a man of prayer. He was, he was a prophet. He had access to God. He could have prayed and prayed that they'd been struck down. But he actually just prayed, open the eyes of his servants, of the servant that he may see. And he did. Now, the servant was important enough to, to, to his master, to Elisha, and also to God, for God to answer, just to have his eyes opened. And it's important, and the reason, the reason why I'm saying that, because it's, it's, recorded, in, it's recorded in the Bible. It's recorded in the Scripture. Um, and it's here for us. I believe it's here for us to show that, that even the smallest things the insignificant, the people we would call insignificant, the lowest, those people that we've seen on the, on the, foot, on the, on the curbs, the guy that slashed his, his wrist, those people matter. Those people are important. And if God can take an interest in them, if somebody like Elisha can take an interest in them, a prophet of God, then why shouldn't we, God's kingdom, God's people in this place, we don't have to be on the front line such. Many of us would be called to do that. And if that's what you're prompted and called to do, then that's what you need to do. That's your, your responsibility. Others may be more comfortable um, in, in the prayer and in praying into that situation. And him. Elisha knew his right as a prophet. And he had the responsibility to confront the enemy. Okay, Elisha's standing there. He sees the enemy advancing towards him. He had the right, he had the access to God. What does he do? 
He doesn't run. He he stands his ground and he prays again. He takes his ground, he stands his ground, he stands strong in the Lord and he prays. And he prays prayer is the exact opposite of what he's just asked the, the Lord to do for the servant. He prays, Lord, blind them. Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness. And the Lord struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Elisha didn't lift a finger, but neither did he run away either. He prayed. I remember this verse from a few weeks back, a few weeks back there. Dave spoke on this. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons of our warfare, we are at war. We have been given weapons. That weapon is prayer. That weapon is the sword of the Spirit, is the word that we can speak out. It's our right to use, we are entitled to these. We have access. We've got to actually use them. Now, I know that's easy for me to say. I'm standing up here. But I know that there are those who do feel that this is not their thing, this, they're not good enough. And the enemy, the enemy is actually a liar. The enemy tells us things that aren't true. And he doesn't tell us things which are true. I'm going to finish off here in a minute, but there's a verse that, 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 that has been um, key for me recently, and it's, it's uh, Romans 5 and verse 2. And it speaks to this as well. Romans 5 verse 2 says, Through whom also we have access by faith into the grace which we stand. We stand. We don't crumple. We stand against the enemy. You see, we have access to God's grace. We have access. That access is by faith. So creating the access is God's part. God's already done that. He's done that through Jesus. Jesus has made the way. That access is, excuse me, has been made by Jesus. That's God's part. Our part is by faith into this grace which we stand. Access is God's part. The faith is our part. That's our responsibility. God has secured that for us. He has made that available to us. 
Faith, faith is not a passive thing. We can't afford to be passive. Faith is active and faith is our part. And we are, we are at war. There is a battle. We may not see it. We may not see it. It's, it there's a battle going on in the unseen. We may not see that with eyes, with physical eyes, but believe. But we can through with faith. We can know. And many of you will have experienced that too, that opposition. That, that, but it comes whenever you actually do step out for God. I'm going to close here shortly and I'm going to ask the band to come up um, as they lead us into worship. Please, I'm going to remind you that we have created a space for people to come, a safe place for people to come and pray, people to come and, and be, um, be, be alongside somebody who can speak to them, speak to Jesus with them, for them. And if, if there's, we're creating a space every week. Please, if God has placed anything on your heart, if what is there something that has been bothering you throughout this past week that you need to bring to God, then please use this. There is access, but the responsibility is actually upon you. Believe this, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation upon you. If, if, if Satan is telling you that, it's a lie. And if you need to be released from that, please, there are people here to help. I'm going to close now in prayer, but before I do that, I'm just going to read Romans 8, 8, 37, a few verses again. It says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I just give this word to you. I give this uh, people to you. I give this time to you. And Lord, these are your people, the work of your hands, your creation. You love them. They are precious to you. God, we know we have an enemy who assaults, who steals, who robs and destroys. And Lord, if there are those who have been injured and wounded, those who need released, those who need delivered, those who need healed, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are here. We know it. We believe it. And we're asking you, Lord, to release these people. May they step forward, Lord, and come and, and, and Lord, find the freedom that in Christ Jesus, their Lord.